0: You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. John chapter 16, and John chapter 16, going to look at verses 7 through 14. I want to say it's good to have all of you here this morning, and we thank you for coming. We know and understand it's vacation season, and if you're able to get away, we understand that, but we are also happy to, for I'm thankful for you together with us every Sunday. And if you're a visitor here this morning, I want you to know that there's a lot of places that you could have chose to go, and we understand that and we don't make light of that. But if you are a visitor, there's not another church that's more honored to have you this morning than Faith Worship Center. Thank you so much for coming. We trust that you are blessed and encouraged in this service, and may God bless your life today. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 14, and you don't have to put your Bibles away when we're done reading it because we're going to go back, and this morning I just want to let you know there's some things I'm going to uh, define and go over. If you want to make notes, uh, that's fine. I'd rather it be notes about the sermon than about where we're going to eat lunch, but nevertheless, you're welcome to do that also. John 16, starting in verse number 7, it's the words of Christ here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when the he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He will glorify, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine And show it unto you. All things that the Father have are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and he shall show it unto you. Will you look back at verse, it's repetitive in this scripture, but verse number 13. There's a phrase in verse 13, 14, and 15 that is repeated. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And here's the phrase, and he will show you things to come. This morning, though I'm going to try my best to consume everything down to that thought, leaving that thought there, I want to simply minister this thought, this title, The Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now today, and and I understand, now it's not just this morning, but tonight also, we're going to concentrate on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and at least two important works that the Holy Spirit does in our heart and in our life. And I'm going to proceed carefully because uh, I'm at the one that believes that if we're a student of the Bible, that we should be forever learning about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life and how to let Him do that in my life. If there's anything I want, I want God working in my life. Amen. And so this morning, we're going to carefully look, and I'm going to try to illustrate in just a moment, uh, several like illustrations, some may not, but if you don't, well, hold on, you're going to get one in in a little bit, but we're going to try to make this very, very plain to you this morning, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, I love you today, I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love, and I thank you for your presence, most of all, that we've already felt, that we still feel in this place this morning. I'm asking you to open our ears to properly hear, our hearts to receive, God, and anoint my lips, God, to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking you to do something that I can't do, and that is, God, to deal with every single heart in this place this morning, and I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, amen. Amen. We've stated this before, but I believe that it's a good statement to build upon. I told you already this morning, but I want to say it again, that I'm going to try to do some teaching, but we're going to try to illustrate while we're doing some teaching because uh, I want you to have a visual also. Does us no good to preach or teach, and then you forget it by the time we're out of church. We don't have nothing to take home and to apply to our life. And so this morning, I'm praying that this will be uh, beneficial to you. A statement that we have made that we want to build upon this morning that uh, you may or may not know, but if we look into the gospel of John as, as the main theme and the purpose of John's gospel, I don't want to, uh, I don't believe that I will, but if the four gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptical, in other words, they are very similar in regards to these men's account of the life of Christ. John's gospel is not considered synoptical, it's not considered similar, because while Matthew, Mark, and Luke concentrated on the miracles and the healings and the works of Christ, John concentrates on Jesus as who He is as the Lamb of God, and also the coming of the Holy Spirit that would come after Christ accomplished everything that He'd done on the cross of Calvary. Is that plain this morning? It's interesting, and uh, Brother Paris Reagan brought this out as he was announcing his class. It's interesting how he's going to be teaching a class on the miracles of Christ. How that John in his book doesn't mention, but I believe, seven miracles that Jesus had performed while he was here. But yet he ends his book by saying, if I was to tell of all of the miracles that Jesus done... The world itself doesn't have enough space to contain the books that will hold them all. So, if somebody wanted to write about the miracles and healings and the works of Christ, there was more than enough information. But John, led by the Holy Spirit, began to move over and emphasize Jesus as the Lamb of God and the Holy Spirit that would come to work in the life of the believer after Christ accomplished everything that he was going to accomplish on the cross of Calvary. The ministry of John was very, very important. The Bible says there was a man sent by God and his name was John there was a man sent by God and his name was John some thought he was odd some thought he was weird he was nobody just a man that was out in the wilderness he wore just regular clothes as they wore then he ate locusts and wild honey he was just a regular man but the Bible said that he took a regular man and and, and God sent him to be a voice that was crying in the wilderness I got to say this while I'm here and it's not in my nose but if you have a ministry or a God is dealing with your heart a about ministry, you need to know the ministry that God gave John was important and your ministry is equally as important. It's equally as important. What God has called us to do is important. There was a special anointing on him, powerful anointing that left many wondering who is this man, John also. John would make it plain on the bank of the Jordan River. He said that I'm not the light. When they asked him, Are you the light? I'm not the light. I'm just here to bear witness of the light. They began to ask him different questions, and he said, They said, Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. They asked Jesus the same question. Are you one of the other prophets? No, I'm not another one of those prophets. And he said, There is is one that is coming that was preferred before me he is so great I'm unworthy to bend down and undo his shoes I can't even unloose his shoe latchet because he's greater that much greater than what I am the next day after the first day of him baptizing on the, in the Jordan River the Bible says and it records that he saw Jesus coming afar off and when he saw Jesus coming afar off he turns everybody attention he says behold, in other words quit whatever you're looking at turn all of your attention to the one that is making his way down to the Jordan River right now he said behold he didn't just call him Jesus of Nazareth he didn't just say the son of Joseph he said behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world, you need to know this man, you need to know what he's about, you need to know what he's going to do, quit looking at me Quit looking somewhere else. Get your mind and your eyes off of law, off of religion. Behold, the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. And as Jesus made his man i wish that was my message this morning as Jesus made his way down from the, the uh, down to the jordan river he, he quickly they understood who he was matthew added this jesus came the spirit descended up on him like a dove there was a voice from heaven that began as the voice as the heavens were opened up that said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased i am well pleased now i don't know and i, I teach on this, either, but how in the world have we missed Trinity? How do we miss Trinity? We have here Jesus in the flesh. The dove is a a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descended upon Him like a dove. And then a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Did we not catch the pronouns in John chapter 16? When He has come, He shall, He shall, He will, He will God. Not something, not a wind. It's a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. He is God the Holy Ghost. Matthew added this. And let me make this statement. Failure to recognize the Trinity. Failure to recognize the Trinity. Will leave the believer not knowing how to live for God through the week. You don't know. It's the Holy Spirit that works in you. If you don't recognize Him. How is He going to work in you? And so. It's failure to recognize the work of Christ and the work and the mission of the Holy Spirit, which we want to make plain this morning. Without being offensive, I'm, I'm being careful, but I want to be straight also. The majority of the Pentecostal, I'm Pentecostal by experience this morning, so I can talk about it. But the majority of the Pentecostal church recognizes the power of the Holy Spirit that was given on the book of Acts. But they do not recognize the power of the Holy Spirit that is given at salvation. I was raised in a Pentecostal church set under, don't say I'm knocking them because I'm not, the best pastors, best churches, had the best home that exists. Pentecostal church. Do you know when I heard the term grace that all it was was a word, grace? that's the truth never had it explained to me i didn't have it taught to me i didn't know how to live for god and have a victorious life grace was a term it was not the effectual working of the holy spirit as the new testament puts it why because the majority of the pentecostal church and pentecostal ranks has overlooked the power of the holy spirit at salvation i'm preaching good they don't talk about that, and, and it's something we got to talk about. But let me say this also. While other churches that are not Pentecostal leave out the empowering work of the Holy Spirit according to the book of Acts. So we got two sides of the spectrum. And without being too rude this morning, I think it would be alright to just make this statement. Why can't... We both just understand that we don't have it all figured out. And if we will sit down and keep digging, we could both learn something from each other. We don't have it all figured out. There is the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us when we get saved. And then there is the power of the Holy Spirit that equips us for service. And believer, listen to what I'm about to say. We need both. We need both. We don't need to just go to church and shout and just be in the presence of the Lord and speak in tongues and then not know how to live in victory Monday through Saturday. I'm preaching good. Some of the meanest people I've ever seen has dressed to the T in regards to the Pentecostal denomination. Why? They didn't know how to live in victory. I've seen sinners that will flat tell you I'm not a Christian that are more nice and more polite than those. I'm preaching good. I know this ain't popular. I'm not making no new friends. I just want to keep the ones I got. But then how come? How come this is... I'll move on. Truth is, we need to be godly enough to admit we need to understand the complete and the fullness working of the Holy Spirit And not just act like we've got it all bottled up. And we've got it all figured out. Because we don't. Now. There's nothing about the work of the ministry of the Spirit. That is intended to be left out in the life of the believer. He intended for us to understand grace flowing in our life. And he intends for every believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To be baptized and endued with power by the Holy Spirit. Everything that is done in our lives spiritually from beginning to end is carried out by the person of the Holy Spirit. The sinner doesn't come unless he's drawn by the person of the Holy Spirit. Once the sinner recognizes that Jesus is the only way of salvation, it's the Holy Spirit that takes them, baptizes them into Christ, bat- breaks the power of the sin nature, baptizes them to his death, which buries the old man, and baptizes him in the resurrection. That way he can walk in the newness of life. It's then that the Holy Spirit begins to lead God direct into all truth. It's then that the Holy Spirit begins to be a comforter and a guide to them. But He's also there available to equip and to empower them for service for ministry from beginning to end. The Holy Spirit, all from drawing us to the gifts, as Brother West has been teaching on a Wednesday night, to the baptism were meant for every single believer. And if we're going to be a New Testament church, which we are, everything, there's a reason for everything that the Spirit does, and that is to benefit you. Listen. Everything that is available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit is to benefit and to edify our faith. Why we want to leave any of that out, all the way from salvation to the baptism, is going to do nothing but build our faith in Christ. There's a lot I want to say, but don't let that scare you. I'm going to keep to my text because I have learned and am learning. That if I give you a solid truth just to add to our knowledge for us to believe, then it's a lot more beneficial than trying to give multiple truths uh, and we'll forget. So let's go, let's go to our text, if you would, and she's going to bring it up with us and do a little bit of teaching, a little bit before I illustrate. And my intent is to leave you with this question. What does it mean for the Spirit to take that which is mine, Jesus said, and show it unto you? What does that mean? that the Spirit is going to take that which is mine and show it unto you. Now keep this in mind as we get into the text. We're looking here and we're reading in regards to Jesus, His earthly ministry. Now watch this. This is transition time. He's taking the world from the old covenant, law and legalism, and He's bringing into account, effect, grace and faith. That's what He's doing. In order to do that, he had to fulfill everything about the old law. And so there's going to be some fulfilling and and completion of the old law, but there's also some teaching on the new covenant. Are you with me? So now we're looking at teaching on the new covenant. These verses, Jesus is telling us about what the Holy Spirit will do in the life of the believer, which is not, which is, which is exactly what we are living out today. He just told them, little background, I'll get to verse 7. He told them that he would be going back to the Father, and here's the result. Here's the picture. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He just told them, I'm about to go away. I'm about to go away. The Bible says that their hearts were filled with sorrow. And while they're sitting there and their heart filled with sorrow, he says, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. So now their attention is turned. Okay, well, if my heart's not going to be filled with sorrow, I need to listen to how he's going to erase this sorrow that I've just been filled with. I'm not going to leave you with sorrow. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And he starts into this, verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart... I will send him unto you. I'm going to stay basic here, but i got to define a couple of things. The word expedient means profitable. Now think about that. How is it more profitable for the Holy Spirit to be here than it is for Jesus Christ himself? Well, because it made the Godhead omnipresent everywhere at one time. See, he can be here moving and he can be at my house at the same exact time. He can be here and somebody getting saved or healed or baptized in the Spirit and be moving over in Africa all at the same time. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all at one time. Jesus in the flesh was one place at one time. But now the Godhead, it's expedient. It's more profitable. His mission, again, is to bring us into an individual relationship. How is the Holy Spirit going to be bring us into an individual relationship? Because He is my individual comforter. Omnipresent. He's my individual comforter. Did you know this morning that if you want to live for God, God already knew if you were going to do that and be successful, that you would need some help? Amen? All right, I'll say it about me. He knew that Steve would need some help. I don't need a little help. I need a lot of help. When it comes to living for the Lord. So when he seen that I need some help, he sent the person of the Holy Spirit to walk beside me and help me to live out a life that is pleasing to God. I got a I want to move on from that, but I just can't. So that leaves us with this, what excuse do we have while we're not living for God? You got the help and you got available to you the person of the Holy Spirit. We we don't have an excuse. The Holy Spirit coming. In verse number 7, he says, if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Why? Here now, he's going right back to his former conversation when their hearts were full filled with sorrow. He said, i got to go away. What was going to happen? What's the transition? He's telling them about and begin to foretell about his death. If I don't go away, the Comforter cannot come. In other words, if I don't go to the cross of Calvary and complete everything that needs to be done in order for the sacrifice and the atonement for all sins, the Holy Spirit cannot come. He can't come. There's no way. So everything depended. Oh, we preach the cross. There's a reason we preach the cross because everything goes back to the foundation of what Jesus would accomplish on the cross of Calvary. He said, I've got to go away. The Holy Spirit coming depended upon the finished work of the cross. And Jesus could not. There's no way he could depart without accomplishing all things which meant the Holy Spirit could not come. Look at verses 8 through 11. When he's come, he's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, here's what we need to know. Just a couple of things. First of all, the world here does not mean the sinful world and not the saint. It's not talking about that. Jesus is addressing Israel and everybody else. This gospel is a whosoever will gospel. Red, yellow, black or white, doesn't matter where you're from, what nationality, it makes no difference. Whosoever will. So he's saying to the entirety of the world, this is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Reprove. What does that mean? It means he's going to convict. He's going to reveal, convict to us what is sin, what is it that is right, and that there's a judgment that's coming if we ignore everything that he's trying to reprove us of. Amen. I'm preaching good. Sin. Anything that is offensive to God. Righteousness. Everything that is morally right and a right standing with God. Judgment. If we reject Jesus Christ. Here's what you need to know. Conviction. Believer, if you're being convicted, that's a blessing. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. Well, I don't like it. Well, I don't like it either. But I do like the fact that he's working in my heart. If I'm being convicted, it's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in me. He's here to prove to Steve what is sin, what is an offense to God. He's here to prove to Steve what is right, what God said is right. And he's here to continue to prove to me that a judgment's coming if I ignore him. Proof that I am in a relationship with the Lord. Now look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Again, speaks of, he's speaking of the meaning of the new covenant, which would be given to the apostle Paul. And Paul, we have it available to us in his letter to the Romans. More specifically, he's talking about the working of the Holy Spirit after the new covenant is established. I'm going to bring this together, I promise you, and you're going to understand it, I pray. The working of the Holy Spirit after the new covenant. In other words, Jesus is telling them this. I got a lot more information I'd like to give you about what is coming, but you can't bear them now because the Holy Spirit has not yet come, so you won't fully understand. What's that mean? They couldn't bear them because they couldn't experience this working in their life just yet. Because the Holy Spirit hadn't come because Jesus had not died on the cross of Calvary. This knowledge that he's talking about is experiential knowledge. And this knowledge that we have today is experiential knowledge. We are given a truth. We have a choice. Will you believe that truth or will you reject it? If you believe it, you will experience it. How many of us in here today believe we were a sinner, believe Jesus was the only way and we experienced the power of the Holy Spirit coming in and regenerating our heart? Amen. That was the experience. God intends for us to experience the working of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said... You can't bear them now because the experience that I want you to have that lies for you is not available because I've not yet accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished which would make a way for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Experiential knowledge. all this is good. In John chapter 15 and verse number 26, we don't got to bring it up. The Bible says he called him a comforter that would testify. What's He talking about? Testify. He's going to bring evidence. He's going to bring evidence. Not just words and lip service. Bring evidence. The Holy Spirit would bring evidence that there's working in your life to the individual that Jesus Christ is living in and working through today because of what He done on the cross of Calvary. It will be evident in your life. Oh, that was really good. What does that mean? That means you can't claim to be saved and never change. Amen. That's an argument I won't get. I don't want to waste my time. I just don't want to, I don't want to be rude, but I don't want to waste my time. Oh, I'm saved, but nothing's changing. No, the evidence of your salvation is that you're being changed. Don't tell me God the Holy Spirit picked you out and you're the one that He came into the heart and left you like He found you. No, sir. He don't do that. He starts changing and the first thing that changes is that we lose our desire for the things of the world and we have a desire for the things of God. And if there's no desire, I know I'm being blunt. Somebody's going to say, "Where well, you're judging. You know what? I'll go to John 7 and tell you that I'm supposed to judge righteous judgment. I'm supposed to do that. Judging, thou shalt not. Uh, judge not. That literally means not uh, condemn somebody to heaven or hell. But I can judge according to the fruits that you bear. If you're being changed, you're saved. If you're not being changed, there's no salvation there. There's none there. I'm born again. There's really been a change in me. The song says, He found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. But He didn't leave me bleeding and dying. He poured in the oil and the wine. He saved me. It's experiential knowledge. Every believer should be experiencing the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I'll just ask you, are you experiencing the working of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you asking grace to flow in your life? Are you experiencing this? Because every believer ought to experience it. Verse number 13. Howbeit when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you, and that's where I want to be, things to come. The word "God" here literally means show you the way. Show me the way. To please God, He's going to show me the way. Here's something that we need to know that's pretty elementary. He knows the way. He knows the way. And He knows our heart and He knows our life and He knows what needs to be changed and He knows what needs to be added. So He's going to guide me into all truth as God searches the depths and the reins and tries the reins of my heart. The Holy Spirit is revealing that to us. And here's another thing I love about this process. This is between me and, and God. He's not telling you everything that's wrong with me. He's not doing that. I don't mean this unkind, but I do mean it to be blunt. He's not taking a microphone and standing in front of a, converse, a congregation and airing out somebody's dirty laundry. To that's not of God. That's embarrassing. That individual's not coming back. This is between. You and the Lord. This is my walk, and if somebody did try to do that, let me tell you, they're leaving out so much that needs to be changed. They're leaving out so much. Now, show me what's all. Show me the way. It starts. This scripture starts bringing us into harmony with showing us things that are to come. He says this: whatsoever he shall hear. Do you know there's a conversation going on about you in heaven? You know, look, I I really don't anymore. But if somebody's going to talk about me, I just want it to be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Somebody else is talking, it's probably not going to be in my benefit. I mean, it could be. I'm not going to cast stones at everybody. But did you know there's a conversation going on about your life in heaven? And the Holy Spirit, whatever he hears, that's what he's going to show you. Trinity. That's what he's, okay, I like that better than what you did. Whatsoever he shall hear, there's a conversation pertaining to my own life. Show me things to come. Show means this, to announce. He's going to then announce it to you. Announce it where you can, it's going to be plain, that you'll hear it, that you'll know it. His conviction is, a, is something that you can't deny. You're going to know it. Things to come. Things to come here uh, relates to what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary and how that, that is my source for victory. I'm going to bring this all together. I promise some of you are looking at me like, you lost me already. I'm not going to lose you. I'm going to bring it all together. He's going to announce to me things that need to be changed and He's going to show me What is to come or now what is already came. Verse number 14. He shall glorify me. He shall not receive of mine. Or he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Verse number 14. Glorify means to lift up and to illuminate Christ to the believer. Here's your answer. He's going to glorify to the believer. Here's your answer. That's where victory was won. He said he would receive of mine, talking about receive the victory that Jesus won on the cross of Calvary. The victory, I'm going to bust some bubbles here. Victory is exclusive to Christ. We say it, and I I don't think that you may not say it in error, but we say it, we even sing about it, I've got the victory. Do you know you have no victory outside of Christ? He's the one that won the victory. We just get to borrow the victory because of our proper faith in Christ and what he done on the cross of Calvary. God did not call you a conqueror. He called you more than a conqueror. My illustration, Rocky and Balboa. Rocky and Adrian. Rocky and Balboa. Rocky and Adrian. We're not Rocky. We didn't go in the ring. We didn't fight the battle. We didn't come back all bruised up. We're Adrian that's sitting in the mansion. We're receiving the same benefits as the man that fought the battle. That's what Jesus was talking about. You're not a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. He didn't ask you to go to the cross. He didn't ask you to defeat sin. He didn't ask you to overcome your bondage. He just asked you to believe and you could receive the same victory that he's already won. That's what he's done for us. We want to say it, but the truth is that he, that the Holy Spirit is the one that has access to take that which is mine, the victory, and show it or announce it to us and we access it by faith. Remember who the author here is, John, the author. John is writing this gospel. He's the same one in Revelation. What is John doing here? He's illuminating Jesus as the Son of God and he's illuminating the person of the Holy Spirit in his work. And in John, in Revelation, he saw something else in chapter 5. He wept because nobody was worthy to open up the books. And an elder came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, John, don't weep. Look, there is one that was worthy. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when John looked, what did he see? He saw a lamb as if it had been slain. That's what he's talking about here. I will take that which is mine. I will show it unto you. John raised his head up because he saw a lamb that was slain. A lamb. The work of the cross. The work and the accomplished and the finished work of what Jesus would do on the cross of Calvary. Now, verse number 15, and I'll bring this together. All things that the Father have are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine. And he will, a third time, show it unto you. All power is given to Jesus in heaven and in earth. All power, think about that. Think about all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now think about whatever it is maybe that the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you about, maybe a bondage or a problem or an issue. Do you know that Jesus doesn't just have the power to break that in your life? He's got way, way more power. All power has been given to him. He's got more than enough power to change your life to the day you take your last breath. Amen. That's good. Take of mine and show it unto you again. Take of my victory and announce it unto you. I want to put this together and make it simple, as simple as what I can The work of the Holy Spirit who is my God. The one that will show me the wake of victory as my comforter. He's the one that is called alongside. Three things I want to give you and then I'm going to illustrate and hush. First of all, I want you to see this. If we bring 7 through 14 together. First thing, he's going to reprove. Which means convict. Second thing, going to glorify Christ. Always pointing us to Christ. Third thing, he's going to announce that this is victory to the believer. First thing, reprove. Second, glorify Christ. Third thing, announce victory. Reprove. Glorify Christ. Announce victory to you and to me because of what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. And if my faith remains in Christ, the Holy Spirit can take. He'll reprove us. He will glorify Christ. He will announce victory. And if my faith is in Christ, He will take that victory and announce it to you and give it to you Because of our faith. Now, not a secondary help. Keep this in mind, Romans 8 and 11. The same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us. The same Spirit that that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that works in each and every one of us. Hannah, I need you. I'm using her this morning for a reason, and there really won't be nobody that knows that reason except me and her. The Holy Spirit called by, that's weird, I'm sorry. One call, come here, by my side. She's a type of the believer. She's called. I'm just in in the place of the Holy Spirit. She's given her heart and life to the Lord. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has been called by her side. He's the comforter, one that will stay right here. I'm not going to get so far ahead of you that you, leave, that you lose sight of me, but I'm not going to get so far behind you that you don't know where I'm at. I'm going to stay right here by your side. And then he says, he's my God. He's the one that knows the way. He's going to keep you right here by his side to guide you in all ways. Now watch this. He's going to take that which is mine and going to show it unto you. But if we back up, he's here. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's here to reprove. While I'm walking along with Hannah and we're going about our day and about our life, every once in a while, and maybe for you, but all the time for me, the Holy Spirit kind of stops me and checks me in my spirit and shows me something in my life that needs to be changed. What's He doing? He's reproving, He's convicting, He's reproving. Here's something that needs to be changed. I didn't catch Hannah off guard. She knows that that needs to be changed in her life, that that needs to be altered in her life. So when she sees that, she can either reject and say, no, I'm not going to let that be changed, or she can say, yes, I want that to be changed in my life. And as the Holy Spirit, when he sees that proper faith, this is what he's going to do. If she wants help, if she wants to be changed, he's going to lead her right here. Stand her before Christ in our heart and in our mind. He's going to glorify Christ. He's going to say the victory that Jesus won on the cross of Calvary for you. That's what I can give you. I'm the one that raised Him from the dead. And I live in you. I'm going to take that which is His. And I'm going to show it unto you. And by faith, I will work it in your life. Reproving. Changing. Announcing, we go about that day. God, I got a problem at home. I got a problem with my child. He's going to take that which is his, he's going to glorify Christ. This is your answer. If you'll place your faith in Jesus and what He done on the cross of Calvary, I can take that which is mine and I can show it unto you. Hannah, how's what I want you to know. I got a bad doctor's report and I need a healing and I don't really know what I'm going to do or where I'm going to turn. He's going to take that which is mine and He's going to show it unto you. If you'll believe that what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary, the healing that He paid for, I'm going to announce that you can be healed in the name of Jesus, I wish I had some help this morning I will reprove I'm going to convict I'm going to show you things in your heart I'm constantly telling you you need to add this you need to take this away this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that by and large the Pentecostal church has left out but I want to take that which is mine glorify Christ and show it unto you that's what he's doing The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Not somebody that is sitting here Kleenex. Not somebody that is so far behind you that your life got away from you. Not somebody that's up here saying, would you just come on? I felt that way a few times. Somebody that says this, I'm going to be a comforter and I'm going to be a guide. Look at chapter 14. Watch this. I want you to see this. I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter, one of the same that he may abide for you, with you forever. What's that mean? That means in this process, whatever I go through in life, whatever he wants to change, whatever he wants to alter, if I get a bad doctor's report, if I've got a bondage Whatever it is. You know there's things in our heart right now that needs to be changed that you're not aware of? If God showed you everything that was wrong with you today, you'd quit. But in this process, no matter how long we live, Brother Junior, the Holy Spirit is going to stay right here. And one thing that Jesus gave us in chapter number 14, He's going to abide with you forever. In other words, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up on this process. I'm not going to leave you. I know we've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. If you don't quit, God won't quit. He'll keep giving. He'll keep changing. He'll keep delivering. He'll keep healing. There's nothing in your life that God cannot do. And as long as you keep your faith in Him and recognize that, He's going to take that which belongs to Christ, the victory that He won on the cross of Calvary, and He's going to show it unto you. Because what Jesus done on the cross is greater than anything and everything that we will ever face. The message of the cross, thank you, you can stay with me. The message of the cross includes the complete work of Christ, His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. The resurrection proved and pointed back, Romans 1 and 4, He's been declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. Church, I just come to tell you this morning, we as a church are set on preaching Christ and Him crucified. And the reason that we are is because it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to keep taking you back to the ministry, to the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross of Calvary. I will take that which is mine and I will show it to you. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, I love you this morning. And I thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for the working, for the operation, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I recognize this morning, God, that there's nothing going on in my life that Jesus has not already paid for victory over on the cross of Calvary. And I know, God, that the Holy Spirit works according to my faith in Christ. This morning, God, we're all in this together. I don't care where we're sitting at this morning. It doesn't matter if we're on the platform or if we're in the congregation. The truth of the matter is we're all in this process together. We've got things that needs to be changed. We've got things that needs to be altered. But too often, God, we try to do it on our own within our own ability, God, within our own strength. And when we fail, we are filled with discouragement. Lord, I just came to remind somebody this morning, and I pray, God, that you would prick our hearts. And whatever it is that we need, whatever we're asking you to change, whatever we're asking you, God, to alter in our life, Jesus has already paid for it on the cross. And if I will allow the Holy Spirit. He will take that victory. He will announce it to me. And then by faith, I can receive it this morning. If you're here this morning, my altar call is simple. It's rather broad, but it's simple this morning. Nobody knows you like God knows you. And this morning... Whether you have a bondage, whether you have a hang-up, whether you've got an issue, whether you've got an attitude problem, a problem with the way we talk, whether I need a healing, whether I need deliverance, whatever it may be, I just come to tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit, He would love nothing more than to bring back in your mind and your heart the victory that Jesus won on the cross. And show it to you. Announce it to you. Because there's nothing that you're facing today. That what Christ did on the cross of Calvary is not greater than. And by simple faith. You can tap into that great. To that powerful victory. You can tap into it. And he can work that in your heart and in your life. If you're here this morning. You say I need victory. Over something. I need something changed. I need the Holy Spirit, to take that which is Christ. And I need him to announce it to me one more time. Well, then we invite you to come. Find ourselves a place to pray. Lord, this morning I've learned what you've done on the cross of Calvary is greater than what I'm going through. And by faith, I'm asking you, God, to give me that victory, to work it in my life, to change this, whatever it may be, in the name of Jesus. Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? Come on, would you come this morning? It's a good time to pray. Come on, would you come this morning? Come on. Come on, let's call upon the Lord. Lord, I need you. Take that which belongs to Jesus and show it to me. I need victory in my heart. I need victory. Come on. Several are still coming. You can pray right where you're at, but I didn't leave nobody out this morning. We all have a little something, something we need to talk to the Lord about this morning. Let's find ourselves a place to pray and call upon the name of the Lord today. Would y'all help me pray for people this morning? I come broken
1: to be mended, and I come wounded to be healed. Well, I come desperate to be rescued, and I come empty to be filled. Well, I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I welcome, with open arms, praise God. Just as I am. Oh, just as I.
0: If you are blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.